This is A Better Night's Sleep, a podcast about sleep, sleep disorders, and evidence-based treatment from military health sleep experts. I'm Dr. Julie Kin with the Defense Health Agency, and today I'm pleased to welcome back Colonel Brian Robertson from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Welcome back, Colonel Robertson. I'm glad to be here. Colonel Robertson, we've asked you back this time to ask about another area of your expertise, which is allergies. And from what I understand, allergies and sleep disorders go hand in hand? Well, a little bit on my background. So I was an allergist and I practiced allergy for years and I actually got interested in sleep because of my allergic patients. Um, It turns out that if you have allergic problems, then you uh, often have trouble sleeping. Well, could you give us a little bit of a background into the type of allergies that we're talking about here? So uh, the first one uh, and the one that we know the most about is allergic rhinitis. Allergic rhinitis is a problem of nasal inflammation and that nasal inflammation manifests as several different symptoms. One is nasal congestion, which is the most important thing for people when it comes to sleep. You can have excess mucus production. Itching in your nose is another one. And then this thing called post-nasal drip, which is a lot of mucus going down the back of your throat and that can lead to coughing. And that's what gives you a sore throat when you wake up, right? Right. So part of it. Um, The other part is that when you have a lot of nasal congestion, you can't breathe through your nose very well. Right. And instead of not breathing at all, we all choose (laughs) to open our mouth. We choose to open our mouth and breathe through our mouth. And when you do that, then it dries your mouth out. So okay. uh, if you've ever had a cold, one of the things that makes you miserable about it is that you're almost forced to breathe through your mouth all the time and it doesn't feel comfortable. It can cause dryness in your mouth. And so when you wake up, that's that super dry throat that you get. It's part of having a cold. Well, the same thing can happen on a nightly basis when you have allergies. It just strikes me that most people who experience this would first chalk it up to, oh, I've got a bad cold. I'll give it a few weeks. It'll go away. Right. So it's the unremitting nature of it. Or also the other thing people notice is that it happens seasonally. So Uh if they're allergic to grass, for instance, they'll have a lot of symptoms during the summer months in particular. Or if they're allergic to ragweed, it might be something that they experience a lot in the fall. Okay. There are indoor allergens like dust mites and dogs and cat allergen. Mm. Those things will happen if you have a dog or a cat. They can happen year round. So how do you test for it to know whether or not it's an allergy or a series of colds? So the test that we use the most is a skin prick test. What we do is we take a small amount of an extract from that particular allergen. So if it's a pollen, for instance, what we'll do is extract the proteins that cause allergic diseases or allergic symptoms, and we extract it into this liquid. With this testing, the skin is pricked, and we introduce a little tiny bit of that allergen underneath the skin. And then you look at the skin to see where it's inflamed? Right, right. So what will happen then is if you have, if you are allergic to that thing, uh, then you'll have a little bit of a bump there. It will get very itchy and red. And we call it the wheel and flare reaction. And that is a indication that someone's having an allergic reaction to that particular extract from that pollen or dog dander or cat dander or whatever it's from. Is it possible to experience this for the first time as an adult, or are these the kinds of symptoms that you have your whole life long? So I always think of allergies as a childhood disease. Oh. Uh, It is pretty rare. It can happen, but it's pretty rare for adults to have sort of a sudden onset of allergic problem, of allergic rhinitis. It usually is started in childhood. It may not be recognized or tested or diagnosed in childhood, but it 
most of the time when I see adults where I diagnose them new, with new allergic rhinitis, if I ask them enough questions, I find out yeah, they really have had a, a long history of nasal congestion and, and rhinorrhea. So is this something that our listeners can go to their general practitioners about, or do they need to see an allergist or another specialist? Yeah. So generally, allergists are the ones that do this testing. So general practitioners often refer patients. That's how we get our patients in the allergy clinic is uh, general practitioners will refer them if they sound like they have allergic diseases. Thanks for helping us understand more about the kind of allergies we're talking about here. It's not so much food allergies. It's really things that are going to affect respiration and mucus production. Right. How does that affect sleep? So it's the nasal congestion that's the real problem. Okay. When we there's a survey done a few years ago of thousands and thousands of children or their parents were answering these questions. Nasal congestion was the one symptom that caused the most disturbance in sleep during that that survey. Wow. And I think in clinical practice we see that too. That's the thing that people complain about. When you have a lot of nasal congestion, the area, if you think of your nose as a tube, and you can when you have inflammation, that tube just gets narrower and narrower. Right. It's harder to breathe through your nose, and that can lead to mouth breathing if it's severe enough. But before that happens, it actually leads to upper airway resistance syndrome, it's called, uh, where you have resistance to airflow through your nose, and it makes it a little more difficult to breathe, and that leads to a thing we call sleep apnea. Okay, and our listeners will remember sleep apnea from a few episodes ago where we talked a little bit about it, but it's always worth hearing more about it, and repetition is good for remembering. So could you refresh our memories about exactly how sleep apnea affects us? Yeah, so I always explain sleep apnea to patients as it's a problem of space. Um, So you just don't have enough space in the in your upper airway to breathe. So the, the part of your airway from the back of your nose down to your vocal cords is a tube of muscle. It's held open by muscle tone. And all those muscles relax when you fall asleep. And that's when we start seeing snoring. Right? Mm. Uh, people that snore at night obviously don't they usually don't snore while they're awake. But when they fall asleep, they do snore. And it's because that airway is narrowing a little bit. If it narrows enough, you get into a point where you actually can't move enough air in and out comfortably, and Mm -hmm. um, it's just not enough, and it feels like you're getting choked. Or if your airway closes enough, then you won't breathe at all, and that's called apnea. And in fact, you won't breathe at all until you wake up, which is exactly what happens people wake up. Typically, after just a few seconds of this, they feel like they're getting choked and they wake up. So sleep apnea disrupts sleep. Mm -hmm. It also has effects on your heart in particular Mm. and also your blood vessels. There's several effects that we see with sleep apnea, but we'll talk about just interrupting sleep for now. Okay. When you have nasal congestion, if you can imagine having a, you're drinking a milkshake, a strawberry milkshake, and you're (laughs) drinking your milkshake. Bear with me. So you have this milkshake and you're drinking it with this straw. And let's say the straw is made of steel. Okay. Right. And so when you suck on it, and then a strawberry gets stuck in the end, you're trying to uh-huh. suck your milkshake up there and it just doesn't work because you got the strawberry stuck in there. So you've actually, when you're sucking on it, you create a little bit of a vacuum inside that, inside that steel drinking straw that you have. And it would collapse except that your tube is made of steel. Now right. imagine that you have a paper straw. And you're doing the same thing. You're drinking with your paper straw and a a strawberry gets stuck in the end of that uh, tube. And you start sucking on it. What's going to happen? It'll collapse. 
Right. And right. that's what happens with your upper airway. Okay. So when your nose is has when you have nasal congestion, you have increased nasal resistance. It makes it harder for your lungs to breathe in that air. Because it's harder to breathe in, your airway tends to collapse. And that's the mechanism. We call it the Starling resistor model after the doctor kind of described this model. Mm-hmm. But that's the model we use um, to describe how nasal congestion leads to worsened sleep apnea. And so when that plastic straw is is bending and collapsing, it makes you wake up and probably depriving you of a little bit of oxygen, which isn't good for other parts of your body. But waking up repeatedly throughout the night it will leave you fatigued, even if you're not aware that you're waking. Exactly. So all people are not aware. It's these brief, we call them our, these micro arousals is sometimes what the word we use for it. They only last a few seconds. And you're not really awake long enough to remember, to form a memory of that arousal. And so it's just for a few seconds. It's just enough to open up your airway. You fall right back asleep, but it disrupts your sleep. Sure, sure. It also has effects. One of the, I said earlier that it has effects on your heart. So it raises your blood pressure. Your heart rate goes up because you feel like you're getting choked and you want to fight, fight off that thing that's choking you. And that's why people feel tired when they wake up. They feel sweaty sometimes and then their blood pressure is up. If we check it, their blood pressure is higher than it otherwise would be. So for listeners with allergies and sleep apnea, is it a combination of treatment? I prescribe medication for chronic nasal congestion more than any other medication I prescribe in the, in the sleep clinic. No that kidding. Is, that is number one. Our treatment of choice is a nasal steroid. You can buy these over the counter now. Nasal steroids will decrease the nasal inflammation that leads to the congestion, that blockage that keeps you from breathing easily through your nose. So that is the medication we use. And then you probably see symptoms of sleep apnea abate as well. Right. So I always tell our patients, too, when we start positive airway pressure machines, these CPAP machines, right, you have to wear this mask. You have to breathe in through your nose. Some of the masks fit over your mouth, too. But even if they fit over your mouth, you really shouldn't breathe through your mouth with them. You really need to be breathing through your nose. So our treatments depend on you being able to breathe through your nose fairly easily. And the number one reason we see in our clinic for people failing to use the CPAP, the medical reason, is nasal congestion. Right. If you can't breathe through your nose. Right. And it leads to a lot of feeling. So one thing that patients describe to me uh, is air hunger. Like they Hmm. feel like they're not getting enough air. Well, the machine's actually supplying about five or six times the amount of air that they breathe every minute. It's, uh, It's supplying plenty of air. The problem is that they can't breathe it in because they have this nasal congestion. So absolutely one of the top reasons why we have problems using CPAP. Okay, so then what's your first stop? If you're a listener and you're not sure if you've got a cold or an allergy, if we're thinking a decision tree here, it sounds like your first stop is probably your general practitioner to get a referral to your allergist to see, hey, do I have allergies? Yes. And then after working on allergies, looking into sleep and sleep apnea? We really should address the allergic problems Uh first. Now, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't have allergic diseases and they do have snoring. Their spouses have observed them stopping their breathing during their sleep, things like that. They probably should go right to the sleep doctor. But if they're having itchy, watery eyes, runny nose, nasal congestion that's chronic and sort of unremitting or is happening really intensely during certain seasons, then an allergist should be the first stop. That makes sense. I would guess also if 
the listener is obese or has a very large neck size or one of the other predictors of sleep apnea, then maybe the sleep doc is the first stop. I agreed. Absolutely. So what other information, if any, is there that, that we should offer to our listeners? What else would you like them to know about allergies and how their allergies might affect sleep? We didn't really talk about it earlier, but I wanted to mention asthma. Oh. So controlling asthma and controlling sleep apnea tend to, you got you to gotta be able to control both of them in order to, to control either mm. one. They, there's this, bi, we call a bi-directional relationship. So asthma tends to make sleep apnea worse and sleep apnea tends to make asthma worse. If we try to fix one, we tend to do better controlling the other problem too. And asthma is an allergic disease in many, many people. If you have asthma and you have sleep apnea, it's important that we treat both. So any other allergic diseases we should know about that do affect sleep? Yes. So it's not just your airway. It's also how your body feels. And one of the things people with allergic diseases do sometimes is itch. Mm. So eczema in particular is very important problem for an allergist. And our patients itch. And sometimes they itch out of proportion to how bad the rash looks. Really? So that's not, yeah. So it's not really a good gauge to just look at a rash and say, oh, it's minor. But the patient may be really itching a whole lot. Mm. Um, And itching keeps people up. So as an allergist, you know, you want to make sure you control that. And we have a variety of ways to do that. I won't go into detail on it right now, but uh, there, there are things that an allergist can do to help stop itching. Some of the take-homes I'm getting here are that if you're experiencing symptoms of sleep apnea or just other breathing problems at night, there's a lot of different factors that could be at play. It could be allergies, it could be seasonal allergies, or just allergies to an environment like dust mites, dogs, cats. Also, that eczema and asthma, all these things are related, and they can all add up to make you have a bad night's sleep. They can. They definitely can. And these things, and you have to remember these problems are related to each other. So asthma is related to having a nasal, con, you know, allergic rhinitis, having inflammation in your nose. These things are related to each other. They're both related to sleep apnea. All these things kind of play off each other. And so you can't just try to fix just the allergic rhinitis. You have to fix the asthma too. And you really should fix sleep apnea if you think it might be there. Um, And that's kind of our approach generally with people when we see them in the allergy clinic. I really appreciate you adding all this up for us. I'm hoping it encourages our listeners to go see their GP, their general practitioner, or their allergist about it because it's more than just experiencing itching or watery eyes. It's going to affect sleep, which affects your resilience and your readiness to perform on the job. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Colonel Robertson. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. You're welcome. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. A Better Night's Sleep podcast is produced by the Defense Health Agency. Please get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter at Military Health. Thank you so much for subscribing and rating us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to check out our other resources and free shows. We hope you have a better night's sleep. Join the Military Meditation Coach podcast to try a variety of meditation and relaxation exercises and engage in fitness for your mind. Each exercise is led by an expert in the military health system. 
The Military Meditation Coach Podcast. Made for the military, but good for everyone.